0: Hello and welcome to 20 Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support, as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody, you're tuning into another episode of 20 Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today we have on an Amazon best-selling author, an award-winning musician, and a mental health and disability advocate, Heather Hutchinson. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great today. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Let's ask this. I do this with all my guests right away. What does mental health mean to you?
1: That's a really interesting question because, you know, there are the technical definitions, but I always picture mental health as this, like, long, meandering pathway or road that is like dotted with the decisions, the healthy decisions that we learn to make and the ways in which we learn to cope and learn to deal with the the difficulties that are, that come into our paths.
0: That's a great answer. I like that a lot. Um, so you happen to be blind. How, have, how long have you been blind?
1: I've been blind since birth.
0: Okay. How does being blind affect your mental health?
1: I think it's so multifaceted. I get that question a lot. And people are like, oh, are you depressed because you're blind? I mean, I think that you you can relate it back to that. But there's so many things, you know, there's genetics, there's environment. Um, I think disability certainly does play a part in it. Um, Almost like people with disabilities are almost five times more likely to report having a mental health problem. challenges. So yeah, I think it's definitely can play into it, but more, you know, because of not so much. I think people always think, oh, you must be so depressed because like you can't see the sunset in your loved one's faces. No, it's more the isolation that comes from society's views of people with disabilities as being different, as being unequal, as being incapable.
0: Is there a name to the diagnosis?
1: Of uh, being blind.
0: Diagnosis. No, being blind.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like my diagnosis specifically is called yeah. liver congenital amaurosis. Okay. Say that I was
0: like, that. I was <laughs> like learning something new. I I wanted to know the official like terminology of it all.
1: Yes. But
0: what are some annoying questions you get about being blind? Because I feel like a lot of people do have questions, and I feel like a lot of them uh, are probably not that great. <laughs>
1: No, it's true. I think the person who coined the, the phrase there are no stupid questions forgot about Google. Like, you know, there are really some things that you should Google and not ask a random stranger in public. Yeah. Um some annoying questions I get online all the time. Well, if you're blind, how are you reading the comments? You can't really be blind. Um what do your dreams look like you know these questions aren't necessarily annoying in themselves as they're annoying in the frequency in which they get asked and then there's some like really awkward ones like how do you know when you're done wiping um yeah that one comes up a lot and that's weird because i don't know why people think about that
0: yeah it's kind of strange that that's the first thing they would think about to and especially to ask you in such a private thing that you do
1: yeah, it's bizarre, but it's like when you have a disability, people ask all kinds of private things, and it's like there there's no boundaries. They feel like they can ask whatever, and we should be happy to answer it at any time.
0: That's very true. If you think about it, we're all created equal, and you wouldn't ask that to somebody that isn't blind. So what what makes it okay in their mind that you can ask that?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I always tell the people. People ask me, well, how do I, if I'm curious, how do I go up to somebody in public and ask them about their blindness? And I'm like, well, short answer, you don't. Because if it's not something that you would ask somebody else, you know, a sighted person, you shouldn't be asking a blind person that either. You can find out, like, we have more information available to us now than ever with the internet and, you know... um, TikTok and Instagram and people with disabilities posting on there, you can find answers to your questions. Google, you don't need to be going up and asking weird questions to strangers in public. I
0: think your Instagram reels and TikTok explain that very well. Um, I commend you on doing those videos because they, they are funny in a way sometimes. I don't know if you're trying to be humorous in a way, but you do have a good sense about yourself when you do talk about those topics, about what you go through.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's more relatable to people. If you can approach it with humor, um, mm-hmm. then they don't feel quite like they're being lectured as much. And also for me, like sometimes you got to laugh or you're going to cry. So
0: Yeah. I was actually going to ask that. Do you consider humor to be useful during periods of struggle?
1: Definitely. Yeah. You know, I think you can get to a point where you're so far down that you can't find the humor in anything. And I think with practice, you learn to spot those dips coming so that you can take appropriate action to avoid getting into a place where you can't dig yourself out and i think a big part of you know when you first start to notice going down is trying to deal with it with humor
0: yeah i feel like humor is like one of the best medicines that you can have i use a lot of humor and and self deprecating for myself that's how i use it um mm-hmm. but but i do think humor is a uh, plays a big part in trying to be more positive in a in a way when you're in a dark place
1: yeah i totally agree and people are like oh you shouldn't use humor when you're talking about mental health but i think sometimes humor can make the harder topics just that little bit more accessible
0: yeah i've gotten comments like that too that they think I'm um, using mental health in a wrong way just because i i joke about it i don't make fun of mental health but it you got to let people in by joking. I feel like, like let them in on the quote unquote joke. Um, so we can treat it like so easy to talk about because like, like you said a minute ago, it's like, you're not like, uh, scolding people or talking down to them. I feel like a lot of professionals talk about mental health where you can go talk to them and learn about it. But then there's real life people like me and you that are going through separate things, but we can go and open up about it to let people in.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think there's, you know, points for for both. I think professional mental health help is very important, too. But then also people, you know, listening to the experience of people who are in the trenches currently, and, you know, what's working for them, what isn't. And just to know that, you know, not only is there professional help available to you, but there's also your peers who are going through the same kind of struggles.
0: This is a question for you because you're pretty good on TikTok. What do you feel about the profiles on TikTok that kind of talk about mental health, but they're not like usually educated as well? It's somebody that's like, oh, I think I have ADHD because I do this and that. But usually that could be more harm than good. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like right now, you know, this is a little controversial, but I feel like we're in such a lonely place in a world right now that. Everybody wants to have a diagnosis, so we're kind of giving ourselves diagnosis so that that we feel more, you know, part of this group because we're feeling so alone. And I think, yeah, that definitely can be harmful. You have to really pay attention to what media you're consuming on the Internet because somebody who just, you know, feels like they have this certain thing and is going to tell you that this is unequivocally, you know, how you fix this or get better or whatever. Um, I don't know if you saw, I did a reel recently talking about how I'm a mental health advocate and I still struggle. And I, when I was at the worst of my mental illness, I would get so frustrated because there would be influencers talking about mental health and they'd be like, oh, you know, I was in a really dark place once, but I'm all better now living, like hashtag living my best life. And it's just not really that helpful to people. I don't think, Um, you know, maybe it makes that person feel better to post those sorts of things, but it's not terribly relatable when somebody's actually going through it.
0: Exactly. And I read about this because I take Adderall for my medications and there was a shortage. And I read an article that said that TikTok was a big reason for that because kids were seeing other people talk about it. So they went to their PCPs and, uh, and they think that they have ADHD. So they were prescribed that. So there was a shortage in Adderall. And I thought that was just mind blowing wow. to me.
1: Wow. That's, I mean, I guess that brings new meaning to the phrase TikTok made me buy it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, I know you said Google was a big one, but I'm curious um, to know, like if people are curious and they want to know more, how should they tackle certain questions? Obviously they shouldn't go up to people, but is just, is Google just the answer?
1: I think with TikTok and Instagram, there are so many people now that you can follow, you know, there's hashtags. We have blind talk on on TikTok or disability TikTok. There's so many places online where you can actually hear from people who are living it day to day. So I think that's a great way to learn. And a lot of those people are happy to answer questions. I'm usually happy to answer questions online because it's, it's different for me. Online, I've put myself out there as somebody who advocates for disability. And I can control those interactions. Um, I I see it completely differently than somebody just randomly coming up to me on the street and being like, hey, what's, what's it like to be blind? Um, you know, because then I can choose the time when I'm in the right headspace to answer the questions. I can choose what questions I'm going to answer and how I I will choose to interact with that person. So I'm happy to answer questions online. And then I think just get to know people as people, you know, don't go up to somebody on the street and be like, oh, what's it like to be blind when you haven't even, or were you born blind? I get that a lot. And it's like, you don't even, you didn't even ask me my name and you want my my medical history. Like what is going on here? Um, so get to know people as people go up to that person and comp- say, you like their shirt or something, you know, start up a conversation, start up a friendship. And I think as those as that friendship blossoms, if it does, you're gonna see that your questions will just sort of get answered because you're gonna observe that people are just people and we're so much more alike than we are unalike.
0: Have people really just come up to you and asked you that straight up, like really? Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like I I've never done it. (laughs) I've managed to keep my inside voice inside for the most part, but I've always wanted to be like, uh, were you born stupid? Like who does that?
0: Right. Like I don't like using the term crazy. Like I have a mental illness and people would be like, oh you're crazy. And like I, I I can accept that. Like I don't use it. But like some people out there are legit crazy. And I think that's one of the craziest oh, things you can do and go up to a random person and just ask them a question about their personal life.
1: Yeah. It's just it's so entitled. It blows my mind.
0: Do you ever get patronized?
1: All the time. Yeah. I was just thinking about this the other day. A friend and I were talking about it. Um, She's my best friend. And we go to this store sometimes in her neighborhood. And there's this certain cashier that we always seem to get. And she talks normally to everybody else. And then I'll get up there and I'll tap my credit card. And she'll be like, oh, good job, sweetie. Oh, no. No. Like I'm two years old and I just use the potty for the first time. Like that's literally how it feels. And um, yeah, I was, that's an example that I was just thinking about recently, but it happens all the time. People adopt this like really weird, sweet voice. Like you're talking to a child or an animal or something like that. And it's like, I do understand you when you speak normally.
0: Yeah. And it's like that's like two sides of the coin because people just go up to you and ask you questions about this. People that patronize you, and it's like they have to find the middle ground. And it's not that hard to do that.
1: Yeah, it's like the pendulum is either one side or another, and we we can't just seem to find the middle.
0: Do you ever get frustrated uh, being blind?
1: I do, and it's not so much like like I was talking about earlier, where People assume that it's because I can't see things, the beauty in this world or whatever. And I say to them that there's lots of different ways to see the beauty in this world. Um, but it's it's the perceptions that are very frustrating. Um, it's the things that aren't accessible in 2023 that should be accessible. We should know better. And there are days when, you know, it's it's noon, I've dealt with like five accessibility issues already that day. I've gotten a bunch of ableist comments online. And it's just like, it it does get disheartening sometimes, because it's like, when is this going to change? You know, I'm working as hard as I can to make it change. There are a lot of other people who are working as hard as they can to invoke change. And it's just not happening as fast as we'd like it to so that's probably the most frustrating part
0: when we first chatted before we recorded i asked you this question you're not in the states right no so all of our money and currency are the same size do you think that's something that that they should change like how is it being in the in canada right
1: yeah so in canada we actually have tactile markers on our bills um they're not like proper braille uh, but they're sort of Braille, basically, that it just has like a full character. Um, so we have one full Braille character that means like $5 bills. So it doesn't actually say five. It's just one of these full characters, two for 10, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I feel like people in the States, I would feel like that would be very frustrating in a way, to especially like you have to figure out like, because they're all the same size.
1: Yeah, our bills are too. Um, we just have those tactile markers on them.
0: The states need to get up up to par with that. I feel like we're always a little bit behind on everybody else.
1: It's so weird because you guys, you are in a way like on money, um, but then you guys have the ADA and we haven't had anything like the ADA or Americans with Disabilities Act. And so like when I travel to the US, I'm always pretty impressed by like the infrastructure that you guys have to deal with disability that we just don't have here
0: really like do you guys not have like uh accessibility like ramps or anything that much because i know people in wheelchairs with disabilities like we have we, we need ramps pretty much everywhere
1: yeah we do but i wouldn't say that accessibility features are as widely um, used or available here in canada just because you guys have had that legislation for so long and mm-hmm. we have
0: that's very how how can you think that is
1: um i i think in that aspect canada needs to get with the times um (laughs) it's it's crazy to (laughs) crazy there we go it's absurd to me that that we don't that we are so far behind when we're supposed to be you know this progressive country and we don't have disability legislation that came into effect years and years and years ago in the states
0: do you read braille i do yeah how's that does it take a long time to learn
1: not i think it's harder when you're older for sure um a lot of people find it you know like sighted people who learn to read braille most of them can't do it with their fingers it's just too hard so they'll actually learn braille like by looking at it um there's only about 10 percent of blind and visually impaired people who do read braille and that number is going down uh, which is very scary Um, so it, it's challenging to learn, especially due to the fact that there just aren't that many people out there who can teach it.
0: Right. How was it growing up being blind, being a child? Do you have any experiences that were pretty tough for you?
1: Yeah, it was, I think up till a certain age, you're kind of living in this bubble. And so for me, I was about five when the bubble burst. Um, up until that point I was really just hanging out with my brother and my cousins and you know my family and I was just me and it was never like a secret that was kept from me. I did kind of wonder sometimes why people seemed to know things that I didn't and it was because they could see them and I couldn't.
0: Right. Um,
1: but but I was just me, right? And then I started having more exposure to the big wide world and that's when I started realizing I was different and different was not necessarily a good thing. I can remember um, being on vacation with my family. I would have been five and I was playing with this kid on the playground who was a couple years older than me. And we made quick friends and had a lovely afternoon playing together on the playground. And at one point he asked me why I never looked at anything and just super matter of fact I'm like oh because I'm blind um you know just as you'd tell somebody oh I have brown hair and blue eyes no big deal and uh obviously he thought it was a big deal because he I was standing at the top of the slide and he pushed me off the platform um that was at the top of the slide so I went flying backwards and he flew down the slide yelled some insult about me being blind, jumped on his bike and pedaled away. And I, he didn't come back. And so I remember lying there and that was like really the first moment where I realized, Hey, I'm different and different mm. and bad.
0: That's a heartbreaking story.
1: Yeah, it was, it was tough for sure. And I think of that kid too. And you know, he learned that from somewhere. So I hope that he got the help he needed because obviously he needed it. <laughs>
0: Kids can be like the worst sometimes because they have no filter whatsoever. And I feel like that's the case. Hopefully that person grew up and learned some lessons after that.
1: I hope so. Yeah, that's true. Kids don't have a filter. But I think, you know, when they're really little, it's, it's kind of like this innocent, um, like this innocence about them where they're just like open to learning about the world and asking questions. And I think that's that's a positive thing. Thank mm-hmm. think. For that kid, he was obviously taught somewhere along the way that like differences are bad and to be feared and things like that. So I think, I think he probably had some of his own struggles.
0: Definitely. On this show, we're pretty familiar with what a mental health advocate is because I am one. Can you tell us what goes into being a disability advocate?
1: I think it's, it's pretty well quite similar because I try to do both and I try to do both in very similar ways. Um, so a lot of it is just education, education of the general public, as well as education of, you know, people who can make the important decisions um, for changes that we need to see. So, you know, sharing stories with government, with law enforcement agencies, with, you know, anybody who has the power to change things um, because, You know, even if they're doing these kinds of things day in, day out, I think actually hearing from somebody who's living it Mm -hmm. is invaluable to actually getting things done and changed.
0: Is there anything specific people can do to help or be more aware of people with disabilities?
1: I think so often people will see us on the street and they'll feel pity. And that's really unfortunate because that doesn't help them and that doesn't help us. Um... What we really need is allies. So we need people to help us spread the message, you know, when they get educated about something, um, spread that to other people if it comes up in conversation. Um, If you have the chance to hire somebody with a disability, do it. Um, You know, they're often really good workers because we live in a world that requires us to be very creative in the ways we think and in the ways that we solve problems. So that can be a huge asset. And, you know, when you see ableism, when you see people being bullied because of a disability, because of, you know, a mental health struggle, say something, don't just let it pass by because those attitudes are being, you know, further carried forward and, those don't go away on their own. So we need allies to help us in that kind of fight.
0: I think a lot of people just learn on their own. When I was a kid, I remember uh, someone who was blind was having a tough time getting around and I saw like a stranger help that person. And I was like, okay, like pay it forward a little bit. Like that's what I should do. So when it came to time where like I interacted with someone who happened to be blind, they didn't want help for me whatsoever. And I was like, oh, okay. So I knew like the both sides of the coin on that. It's like, I can't patronize people being like, oh, he's blind. Let me help him cross the street. Like he was fine by himself. And I kind of like interrupted him. And I think you you learned that. So you find the middle ground. So I, I had the experience for both. And I'm 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 actually glad that kind of happened to me. So I knew how to how to use that going forward.
1: Yeah, for sure. That the good thing there is that you're perceptive. Um a lot <laughs> of people aren't. So that's, you know, they, they take that as I hear that all the time. Like, oh, I tried to help this blind person. I just came up and grabbed them and they weren't very happy about it. And I'm like, yeah, would you be? Yeah,
0: right. Um, let's switch over to this. Uh, you're an award winning singer. What got you into singing?
1: I think it was actually my battles with mental health that made singing so important for me. I mean, I always loved it since I was very young. I remember being like six years old and I always carried this Fisher Price tape recorder with one of those mics around with me. And I was always like making up songs and stories. And uh, my brother offered to lend me $100 to record an album, which um, I later found out was not nearly enough to record an album. (laughs) But then as I started to struggle more with my mental health in um, my early teen years I really turned to songwriting um to try and help me figure out what was going on in my right. head and I would sit down at the piano and write about how I was feeling and and it helped things to make sense and um, then I met my first producer when I was 15 at a talent competition and we ended up um, doing recording two albums together and so my first album came out when I was 16 and I remember like performing in these shows after it came out and people would come up to me and be like oh this song really helped me through this really difficult situation that I was going through and I think that I really thrived on the human connection that music brings that you know this realization that we're not alone in these battles that we're fighting and i think that's the the human connection of music is really what's carried me through
0: and i read this too you can sing in spanish yes <laughs> when did you learn that
1: um it was honestly always something like i grew up um fairly surrounded as much as i could with the the latin american community in canada um I find honestly that this is a huge generalization, but people in Canada have one of two responses to my blindness. They either like pretend that it doesn't exist to where there's like this big elephant in the room, or they try and pretend that they're totally cool with it by cracking jokes all the mm. time. And I like a good blind joke as much as the next person, but they're not funny anymore when you've heard them all a thousand times. Um, yeah. In comparison, I feel like. The Latin people that I've met, they're always super just, they meet people where they're at and they don't get awkward around me. They ask way less, way fewer invasive questions. So I've always really loved that. And then um, as, so as soon as I could, I actually moved to a different continent. I moved to South America. Um oh, wow. Because I wanted to be different for a different reason. So yeah, that's that's how I learned Spanish.
0: So a lot of your songs are around mental health. Uh talk about your songs a little bit. Is there any like specific songs that are like pertain to mental health? Like what exactly are you singing about?
1: Yeah, so um my book's actually called Holding On by Letting Go and a couple of months after my book came out, I released an album called If I Could, and a lot of people were joking that it should have been called Holding On Violet and Go the Musical, um, because it really took the experiences that I lived in my memoir and turned them into songs. So, you know, there's songs that talk about the loneliness and the isolation um, of being hospitalized for psychiatric care, you know, maybe not in as many words, maybe they're a little bit more you know, I try to be universal, but I think those feelings can be so universal. Um, I think probably the song that I've written that to me is most about mental health is actually called If I Could. And, you know, you asked me at the beginning what mental health means to me. And there's a line in this song that I think basically sums it up to me. It says it's not a finish line. It's a choice you make each day.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. So where can people actually buy that book? On Amazon, your website, where can they go?
1: Yeah, basically anywhere you get books. um, If you go to my website, there's a big list of places you can get it. But Amazon, um, Audible, there's an audio book as well. Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Fantastic. All right. Can I ask some curious questions?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: So, when it comes to writing a book or writing lyrics, I, do you type them down and it reads back to you? Do you write in Braille? Is that a thing?
1: Yeah, it is a thing. I usually type. Um, it's just easier for me at this point. I wrote exclusively in Braille up until grade nine. And then they basically took that away and they're like, no, here's your laptop. You're typing mm-hmm. from now on. So I can write in both, but I typically. Nowadays, um, just write using a QWERTY keyboard, and then I listen back uh, when I was writing my book. But I also proofread it in braille. So I have what's called a refreshable braille display, which connects to my computer via Bluetooth, and then has uh, mine has forty cells or braille characters, and then the the dots just like move up and down as you in- advance, and it reads everything. so you can read everything. It shows everything on the screen in braille.
0: What's something that someone wouldn't know that that being blind? What is something that like you go through that someone might not know being blind?
1: Um we're really good like backseat drivers or navigators. Like if you're lost, ask a blind person for help cuz we have really specific directions. You know, we're not going to tell you, "Oh, I think it's like a couple blocks down that way." We're going to be like no, you walk two blocks, you cross the metal bridge, you'll come to the Starbucks and it's on the left. And yes, we can smell the Starbucks and it smells different than other coffee shops.
0: That's wicked <laughs> funny. And I feel like Starbucks does that on purpose.
1: I think they do. Yeah, like I can't put my finger on cuz people are like, "Well, how does it smell different?" I'm like, "I don't know, it just smells like Starbucks."
0: <laughs> exactly. See, that was a great answer to my question. That was a good question.
1: Yeah, that was that was a tough. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I don't know because usually it's like the typical like oh well don't do this or like this is how you can offer help to a blind person or this is how you can guide a blind person things like that. But I felt like your question like went a little deeper, so I was like, oh man. That's always
0: that's always a win for me. I like asking questions that are a little bit tough, or they're actually pretty good. So I'm glad that you got to answer that for me.
1: But then I always feel like there's like this awkward silence of like you know the Jeopardy music.
0: That's what the great thing about editing is.
1: I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But some people don't, so.
0: Yeah. No, I I feel you. The the dead space, you got to go. You know how it is.
1: Yes. Yes. Thankfully.
0: So you're big on Instagram and TikTok. Where can people find you on both of those?
1: So I'm on both of those. I'm at Heather Hutchison Music.
0: Perfect. Now, here's another curious question. How is it running a social media? Do you have help? Do you do it by yourself? What are some things that go into that?
1: Okay, that's an easier question. I was like nervous <laughs> there for a second. Um I don't have a social media manager, so I actually I, you know, people are always like, "Oh, are you actually reading the comments?" Yes, it's actually me reading the comments. Yes, I can read the comments right. and respond to them. Um I have accessibility features on my phone that lets me do that. And then my partner's actually big into video editing. So he actually edits the videos and helps with like the lighting and things like that. Because I can put a camera in front of me, but I'm not going to notice like the little nuances of lighting and things like that. So that's really helpful. So we run it together.
0: Teamwork makes the dream work. Am I right?
1: Exactly.
0: What does self-care look like for Heather Hutchinson?
1: Self-care to me sometimes... I think so often on social media we talk about self-care being like, oh, I'm going to go run myself a bubble bath or something like that. Um for me, at my worst, like I wasn't taking care of myself at all. I wasn't showering, I wasn't eating at all. Like I stopped having the ability to eat solid food. So, um self-care for me at that point, was not having a bubble bath. It was not going for a walk um, because I could barely get down the stairs in my own house. So for me, self-care sometimes just looks like getting out of bed, taking a shower, um, doing the dishes. And I know that sounds like really weird. It doesn't sound like it's self-care. But to me, self-care is about purpose. And if those things give me purpose, if those things are a win, then... I gotta say that's that's what self-care means to me sometimes it's a bubble bath but sometimes <laughs> it's literally just getting out of bed
0: i like that answer that's that goes with your mental health question as well what does mental health mean to you i always like asking people that because everyone's different but it's all good to hear you know what i'm saying
1: yeah for sure and it's like okay what does mental health mean to me like i could give you you know the technical definition Yep. but I think everybody's going to picture it a little bit differently in their own minds. So I think that's a really interesting question.
0: Let's wrap up with this. I like to ask all my guests this question. You're a big music person. What would be Heather Hutchinson's theme song?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, What would be my theme song?
0: Yeah. You like pretend like you're like a pro boxer, pro wrestler. You come out to the crowd. What song's being played?
1: I... You know, it's really cheesy, but, like, maybe, like, Chariots of Fire or something. Like, that's just super epic.
0: <laughs> yeah, see? That's perfect. Uh, I, mean, I, I love
1: to put it with, like, different videos of, like, just doing stupid things. Like, I remember my friend and I were having a lawn tractor race that we <laughs> videoed. Um, and we put it to Chariots of Fire. And it just ma- it- it makes everything epic.
0: <laughs> it really does. It really does. Who won that race?
1: Um, I think it was... It was me by a little bit. She beat me on the straight shots, but I cornered better. <laughs> mm,
0: fantastic. I like that. Yeah, professional lawnmower racer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a thing.
0: Let's end with this. What are three things that you're grateful for today?
1: Three things that I'm grateful today for today. My cat, because she's awesome. Um, getting to do what I do, getting to even, you know, have these conversations with people. Um that give me purpose and i am also grateful for hmm, for chai lattes (laughs) because i'm thinking about going and having one right now
0: fantastic Well, well we skipped over this what's your cat's name
1: my cat is named maya
0: i like it i'm a big cat person myself i got two cats that's how much i like them
1: oh they're they're awesome my cat actually like taught herself that if I drop something, she'll actually go find it for me and like tap it with her paw until I find it. So cats are the best.
0: That's what I'm saying. Cats are very underrated because everyone always has that dog cat debate and they're like, oh, dogs are way better. Cats suck. I'm like, no, like you can have a dog like you pretty easily, but having a cat warm up to you is a big victory.
1: It's totally it. Yeah, like it. It feels like an accomplishment. And I always say like my cats have always been more intuitive than my dogs. I love all the dogs that i've had um but my cats win in that area for sure
0: heather hutchinson thank you so much for coming on to 2010 minutes it's been a blast i thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having me
0: that's been another episode of 2010 minutes let's break the stigma by cracking a smile i will see you soon